Hello and welcome to Subclass Act, a solo role-playing actual play podcast. I'm your host, James Schrall. Hey y'all, it's me again. Uh, my voice is going to be a little bit messed up. I'm just getting over having the crud for several days. But I was really excited after the last couple episodes. I wanted to be able to record another one. I've got a couple minutes. And also, this is probably as close as I'll be able to get to exact. But um, five days from now, because I publish these usually ex- as soon as I'm done, um, literally. And so five days from now on November 7th will be three years of subclass act, which is insanity. It's actually just complete insanity. I have no idea where the time gone uh, time goes, but wherever it's gone, it's gone there in a in a real hurry. Uh, totally wild, and I'm really glad that y'all are here and that there's a really core, uh, solid group of people who continually enjoy this show. Uh, and get something out of it, which I think is really, really cool. I've got some listener call-ins and, a, and an email to get to today, so I'm not going to waste too much time. But I am going to uh, do two things for the close enough to the three-year anniversary of the show. One, I'm going to do a thing that I've threatened to do for a, just a super long time, and we'll see how it goes. I kind of wish I had picked the thing I was most comfortable with, that I feel like I could knock out of the park, but I'm not doing that uh, because that, that's <laughs> never been my MO, I guess, on this show. I'm going to throw myself completely into the deep end of something that I have given very, very little thought to. Uh, you know, that's classic classic James there. And we're going to see how it goes. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I'm going to get to roll a bunch of very fun, funky dice that were 3D printed from Etsy, which we'll, just, we'll talk about later why that is. But anyways, I really want to get into the Collins, and also I made a little uh, new logo, so let me know what you think. I was tired of the pre-generated sort of one, or the, the semi-generated sort of one that I had from Anchor when it was still Anchor, and I thought I wanted to make something, and actually the uh, email that we're going to get into um, said some things that uh, other call in, uh, other callers and emailers have said, uh, and I wanted to try to bake that into the logo. So anyway, let me know what you think. Let's get to those Collins. All right, first things first, I want to get to this very, very sweet email I got from Rich Burley, and it popped up uh, originally on a place I wasn't expecting. I was looking probably for YouTube videos on sketching. I've been into drawing a lot in the past couple of years, and especially lately, and I've been really addicted to watching this YouTube channel called Gel Arts, J-E-L Arts, and I think she's like a Canadian artist. Anyway, so stuff is really, really good and inspiring. And very mouse rittery, which is probably why originally I, you know, latched onto the channel. Anyway, uh, so I've been watching a lot of those, and I, I noticed a notification pop up, and then I saw a thumbnail, and I was thinking like, uh, that thumbnail I haven't seen in a very long time. And I looked at it, and um, it was a thumbnail. I, I did a sketch of a dungeon, like a really cheesy little troika, free troika dungeon kind of thing, or maybe it was for Durf. Actually, it was for Durf. Um, which is an underrated game, by the way. But anyways, I, I was making it for Durf, and um, I was doing it in Procreate, and it just so happens that you can just export a sort of a video that it makes of your of your brushstrokes and stuff. So um, I just exported that, and I don't know anything about video editing, so I just threw some music of some sort behind it. Um, and that was it. But anyway, so there was a comment on that video, which I made a while ago now, a couple of years ago at least. And... Um, 
uh, it was saying, hey, how can I contact you on the show? And then I was about, I wasn't sure at first on YouTube what the rules are, if I could post my email address. Um, so I went to look at the show notes and I was going to post the show notes because I'm pretty sure I could do that. But then I went and it, they don't show up as well. I don't, I don't know. I don't even like really see them on the anchor site anymore, even while I was looking for them. So that was kind of wild uh, and a little disappointing. So I will reiterate on this show in the audio that you can always email audio files if, uh, that you, if you want me to play them, or you can just tell me if you don't want me to play them, or you can send an e- just a regular email with text and I'll read it on the show if you want me to, or if, unless you say otherwise. And that's at my first and last name at proton.me. So James, S-R-A-L, at proton.m, as in Michael E, Michael Echo. Okay, so that's where you can reach me. It's weird that's not showing up in the show notes. We'll see what kind of moves I make about that uh, as far as platforms. Um, I'm starting to consider my options because it just this seems to be degrading more and more. Okay, anyway. excuse me, I'm going to cough a bit uh, because of the crud. So anyways, here's the email. So it it comes from Rich Burley. So I I ended up posting my email address on there and he sent me this lovely email and said, hi, James, Richard here. I have really enjoyed the last one, uh, the last two one shots. You convinced me to pick up Frog Errant, which is a, which is a totally fun looking game. It's great that it's a solo focused game that uses the mouse ritter rules, which is excellent in its own right, which I, I totally agree. I'm adding it to my list of games to try out. I also loved hearing you try out Karen. Yochai is a really cool guy. I listened to his podcast with fellow co-host Brad Kern called Between Two Karens. Anyway, Karen is a super fun system and amazing and that it continues to be free. Uh, As an aside, yeah, Yochai is a really cool guy. I've mentioned him, I think, before on the show because he helped me out with one of my games that I made with uh, text export kind of thing. that I had no idea how to do that. Um, And yeah, it is insane that it continues to be free. For me, it's like, I, I don't, it, it's crazy to me that Cairn and Ironsworn continue to be free because they're amazing games for just totally free. Same with, you know, basic fantasy. Anyway, he continues. By the way, I love the rambling as an aside again. That's good. I do a lot of that. <laughs> anyway, the commentary on anti-heroes and dark themes was great. I agree so much of the popular media seems to be enjoying tearing heroes down. I personally don't mind there being shades of gray and complexity in villains and heroes, but the stories I enjoy most have a clear distinctions of right and wrong. Something I would like uh, to comment on is that I love it when a villain turns their lives around and becomes heroic, such as Loki, uh, Doc Ock, Superior Spider-Man, and the last Spider-Man li- live-action movie, etc. What thoughts do you have about that? Well, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to address that right now. I totally agree, and I'm also fine with having characters be, uh, and having shades of gray, especially in heroes and villains. That's not so bad to me, although I, it seems like everything's afraid to just have an archetypical hero, <coughs> excuse me, and then have the story live in the in in the in, in everybody else you set up the hero the the villain and they can even be not shades of gray but everybody else can be um but they also could be the villain and the hero can have shades of gray i'm actually totally fine with that that's just i think having good round characters um and that's certainly fine what what I, it's just that for me it seems like most media lately has only wanted to tear down heroes and only wanted to build up villains and to make everybody shades of gray um Shades of gray are fine, but for me, the shades of gray only make sense and are only interesting when at least, even if not a singular character, at least the ideal of good, of right and wrong is there. And then we can determine, you know, the shades of gray via that. Otherwise, you know, everything is so totally relative that nothing, nothing's intelligible anymore, right? Uh, It's just like we see color, we see color relatively. And so we need to have the understanding of the light areas and the dark areas in order to see the difference. 
that's much more interesting because then it's it's more interesting if you have a flawed hero then because you can see the standard they're reaching for and you can see the tragedy of them failing to live up to that and with a villain you can see there's just that glimmer of hope left where you know they, maybe they will turn it around eventually and there's a tragedy if that doesn't happen and then comedy in the classical sense uh if they do but you have to have those ideals there in order to make sense of any of that and so much of everything lately has been so um there's no ideal anything there's nothing there's nothing ideals everything is relative everything is just all made up and meaningless and i don't know i just think that i just think in general that uh, i guess except for crime and punishment which is sort of a response to the idea i just think nihilism doesn't make for for good art in general although it can be funny absurdism can be funny i love the i love uh, the big lebowski as much as the next guy <coughs> excuse me that can be funny it's just you don't want everything to be that especially if it's not a comedy then it doesn't really make sense all right continuing um also i believe you commented in your ramblings about not worrying too much or overthinking solo play i believe you call it being creative more than consuming i so appreciate this as for one, uh, I, for one, rather, have a lot of anxiety around solo play. As Shay Webster often talks about, there's a very real anxiety that can come from doing things right. My 14-year-old self never worried about how good I was role-playing. I solo, uh, solo played at the time, though I had no idea that's what I was doing. But now, all these years later, why is it so hard? So I appreciate this encouragement. Just do it, right? There's no one judging other than ourselves. Do you ever experience this? Do you have any thoughts on this, on it? Um, I do actually. So one, yeah, Che Webster's show is is really good too. I, I love Che's uh, Che show, um, uh, Role Play Rescue. For anybody who doesn't know, I'm sure actually this entire audience knows. But yeah, I I do have some thoughts on that. So I do still experience that on the show more when I'm doing the show. Well, I don't know. That's more when I'm starting the show. Let me put it that way, um, than when I'm not playing on the show where there's a little bit more pressure just because I do I do want it to be somewhat entertaining and I'm worried that I'm going to uh, stall or ramble myself to death. Um, however, the reason that isn't true necessarily as I get into the episode is I, I sort of use the podcast to trick myself because uh, when I'm not playing, I don't want to look like a crazy person. So when I'm not playing for the show, I write stuff down in a journal because I don't want to look like a crazy person but it's so much slower for me than speaking it out loud. And so the podcast is, is completely an excuse for me to solo play talking out loud to people so that I don't look so much like a crazy person. Although I may yet be a crazy person. Um, so once I eventually get immersed in it enough, then, then that pressure goes away. But that's the thing. It's like, um, people complain about the blank page. Um, so there's a couple strategies for that. Uh, I'm not always, is intimidated by a blank page, but sometimes I am, like when I'm in a sketchbook. And so some people will just go and make any marks at all. Just make some marks. So you can start just by, you know, just roll some dice. Um, you know, maybe your character's not even created yet. Think about some scenarios in the world, and you don't even have to have your system figured out yet. If you got percentile dice, cool. All right, there's a 50% chance of this. And, you know, you can start building up your setting that way. Basically, just get into the role play as quickly as possible. Make those marks on the page as quickly as possible. And, you know, realize that like oh if i don't like it i can throw it away I have, you haven't even written it down yet probably right so if you don't like it you can just chuck it right away there's no pressure but you'll start getting the juices flowing you'll get warmed up maybe um that's something that the gel arts talks about a lot in her sketchbook is just like warming up and so she'll just go back in her previous pages in her sketchbook and fill 
in some of the uh, the sketches like with color behind them or just additional details. It's not a big deal. And if it ruins it, not so big a deal. Maybe you could do something similar with your role play, like go back into a previous scene and do kind of like a tale of the Manticore style um, uh, dramatis persona. Like you know, one of your previous sessions, add some other what else was happening in the background or, you know, whatever. And if you don't like it, it wasn't during the play. So you don't have to feel like you messed it up, but just start doing something. So yeah, just do it. Um, and yeah, the other thing is that you are both the GM and the player. You're the whole table. So what you want at your table goes, you don't have to like rules is written. Who cares? I mean, if you, if you, that's how you want to play, then that's your table and that's fine. You, you do it that way. But if something isn't working quite right for you, you're the GM, so you can just GM rule that. You're not going to argue against yourself, probably. So that's one of the other things, I think, is the, is the fear, like, oh, I'm playing it wrong. But this is, it's not a writing exercise, and it's not a board game or even a regular RPG. It's somewhere in between. So you can move move that however that needle however you need to. But yeah, I definitely I definitely experienced that on the show, but even even off the show sometimes, because you want it to be good. Um, but just I, I would think of it like sketches, because you're not, usually sharing it with people but either way just it's like a sketch and if you have a bad sketch that's fine like i've had some sessions where it was yeah it wasn't that great and that's fine because i either either the character died i let them die real quick so i could stop or i just like let the game fizzle out and i ended up never coming back to it and i felt guilty about that at the time and now i'm like i don't care because life's very short and life's too short to play dumb games especially when they're solo and you don't have to make anybody feel bad for canceling so yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. Hopefully, something in that ramble. There, there's a go. There we go. There's, we got our first real ramble. Um, so, hopefully, something in there, some idea will will help you. Um, I also think I haven't read it, so I can't recommend it necessarily. But I'm sure it's good. Geek Gamers I know has a solo role playing guide uh, with a bunch of random tables that she made uh, published by published by Modifius, and it looks really good. And I've heard her talk about some of the advice in it. And I think I said something similar where sometimes she'll start even without a game system or definitely without a character. Uh, you could definitely do that. And you can start just with, you know, a six-sided die or some whatever dice you have lying around. Um, you know, just make a couple decisions. You could play another game before that's not as much open-ended to make a setting to get yourself excited. You could roll up, you know, you could use Sandbox Generator and, and make a... That's something I've done before, and that's really cool. Um, you could... Um, and I think I haven't done this, but another... Well, for solo, I haven't done this, I should say. You could play a game of the quiet year by yourself, which could actually be pretty cool to make a map and make a thing. Um, you know, there's uh, there's Delve where you make a dungeon. There's uh, Umbra, I think, for space stations. There's another one that's similar that are some solo games where you can make dungeons, how to host a dungeon, stuff like that. You could do things like that. Um, and that would... You'd be playing a game that's a little bit more prescriptive in a way, and then you would end up with it a setting, and you could be excited to get to jump in. So... That would I would say get something, some sort of an interesting detail that really sparks your imagination. However you get that, worry about doing that first because the only way you mess that up is you just haven't gotten there yet. So there we go. Um, and then we continue in the email. Oh, hey, congrats on the new addition to your family. And don't worry about interruptions with kid sounds in the background. That makes it authentic. There are plenty of slick solo podcasts out there that do, ton do tons of editing, uh, but that's part of the charm of your podcast and that's, and, and that's its real... And that it's real and unedited. Sorry, I'm not reading very well. Anyways, I've learned a great deal about the use of oracles and your verbal dialogue as methodology. Anyhow, your podcast is high on my list, brother. I'll continue to listen and chime in from time to time. Keep up the great playing, Richard. Well, this, just like all the, every, every time somebody calls in and sends me an email, I, it just, it really touches me and I get so excited 
the those of y'all who who listen to the show the the fans of the show are really i think everybody says this and it's cheesy but it's really true the fans of subclass act are the coolest people ever <laughs> so i'm really lucky to have y'all um so thanks for for spending this time with me and, and i love it when i hear from you thanks yeah the uh the new edition is is very cute um and starting to to chatter a little bit and that's the best uh and the giggles the baby giggles are also the best so uh, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, and, and actually this, this email is what helped inspire the new logo because, uh, you said, just like everybody else said, er, says that they like that it's the unedited sort of thing because there are really good edit, edited ones. And I have recommended a bunch of them and I'm sure we all listen to those as well. And they're, they're amazing. They're what inspired this show, but this is the one show where it's really just off the cuff and it shows just anybody can do it. Um, because if I can muddle through, anybody can do it. Now I will say on the, the pressure, I, I do have one leg up, which is that I improvising is like my main thing. So when I play music, improvising on the guitars is my main thing, but it's just like anything else. I didn't start out being able to do that or, or doing, I did some improv comedy stuff in college, but I didn't start off doing that well. In fact, I was terrible at that in high school cause I had such bad social anxiety and stuff. And I was always fumbling over my words even more than I am right now. And I just didn't, have the confidence to just make up stuff. I think that's the key is confidence. And it's just a lot of practice. So I practiced at the improv comedy thing and um, I practice improvising on the guitar, which I couldn't do at first, you know, uh, for, for a long time. And I just practiced improvising and practiced improvising and just learned to be less precious with some of the details. And, and sometimes you can, you can take a tip from jazz. So you could say something that looked like a mistake, but don't make it a mistake actually do it three more times. Now it's jazz, right? It's only a half joke. I've actually done that before um, <laughs> in a live show before. But actually, yeah, just if there's something that sticks out, you can brush past it if you want. Don't spend too much time dwelling on it. That's how. That's the only time people notice the mistakes usually anyway. And then, or two, you can come up with a reason for, you know, why is that an outlier? Why, you know, come up with a, you know, a retcon explanation for it. And that can, that can be cool too. Um, but yes, I'm glad that y'all enjoyed it. So I made a new logo and I kind of wanted it to just have the like total DIY kind of whimsy lighter aesthetic. And so I drew it up on procreate last night. Um, so yeah, let me, let me know what you think. We're going to get into some call-ins from Jason, but thanks again so much, Richard, for the email. I, I really appreciate it and it really made my day. Hey James, Jason here. Just listen to your bonus episode. Sorry, I'm behind. I am about to listen to the actual episode, but on your pre-episode ramble, the ran or the rambler, the crawler app is no longer an app. It's just an HTML website. I'll send you a link to that for DCC. I played You America, Carl Rodriguez over the Geomologist Presents has run You America before. It's fun. It's basically what you described there. It's kind of silly. The post-apocalyptic game, you were talking about Gamma World, by the way. That's a TSR game. And we played the heck out of that when I was growing up. But the one I like now is called After the Bomb. And it's for, well, it's Palladium. And you're playing mutant animals, mostly. But it's a more hopeful apocalypse because you've already rebuilt. So your mutant animal populations are already rebuilt back up to, like, 1980s technology levels. And there is higher tech out there. And... So, you know, there are still bad things out there and things going on, but civilization isn't, like, scratching their way back up. They've already done that and rebuilt some. So you have countries and 
you know, things like that. And so it's not so dour. It's on the upswing part of the rebuild of the post-apocalypse. So it's, so it's a more hopeful post-apocalypse. And, and I really like that. So after the bomb, I really, I think that's my favorite current post-apocalyptic setting, honestly. But now I want to find out what Spencer turned you on to. So I'm going to go listen to the show. Hey, Jason. So I'll respond to this part first. Um, yeah, Gamma World. Ah, oh, like I was, I was recording the podcast and it was right there and I just, I couldn't, couldn't pull on it. After the bomb sounds pretty cool though. I, I still want to try soloing. I got to go back. I still want to try soloing the first edition of Palladium Fantasy because I have the PDF of that and I still think it looks cool and rad. And the idea of Palladium stuff, I think is really cool and how interchangeable it is. And, you know, it seems polarizing, but like, you know, I, I one of the first people to ever, you know, play games with me and stuff at, at um, one uh, previous workplace of mine, he's been role playing since forever. Um, and he told me about a bunch of rift stuff and it sounded cool. So yeah, I'm sure I'll have to check out after the, after the bomb. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, gamma world. Oh, that was just, it was just killing me. Uh, yeah. And I, I hope that you enjoyed, um, uh, the next part, which I guess we'll find out in the next part. Uh, if you enjoyed frog errant indeed. Um, but yeah, that was, oh man. You know, you know you just, you, when you get blocked like that, you just get totally, totally blocked, driving me completely out of my mind. And then, yeah, um, yeah. when I when I said app, I, I, I use that word super loosely just because I, uh, I work on quote unquote web apps, but they're just, they're in the web. So, um, but I forget that like not everybody just calls them that. Uh, so that's, that's a little bit, it's kind of like reverse jargon because it's less precise, I guess, in a way. And then, yeah, I have the uh, the America, America or America or whatever. Um, hasn't quite shown up in the mail yet. But yeah, it seems fun. And yeah, it is kind of silly. So I can imagine, I, I don't think it's going to be like the best of all things, but it seems like it would it would be fun. You, you, I, you couldn't probably play in it forever as is. But something interesting about it being kind of silly is is that you, you you can you don't have to be precious with it and so there's some funny ideas of like how do you turn this you know thing that's like you know like uh gene simmons from kiss like oh well now he's a deity in this and you know elmo is the god of pain and whatever which is <laughs> so funny so you don't have to be precious with it and you could if you wanted to play i think longer periods of time you could always just make up new patrons and make them more or less serious and you could really probably dial in the seriousness it's kind of funny that i talk about it being lighter because i do like it being lighter but i also love the fallout games <laughs> which are so depressing so i think i'm just a big old big old hypocrite um but anyways yeah thank you thank you for um for for that because that was that was going to bother me and i will check out after the bomb and i i know i mentioned to you privately after you sent the message but i'm gonna say it on here too to shame myself a little bit publicly I feel really bad still that I haven't gotten to on mighty foos yet. I do want to get to it. Um, I need to go back and read it again. I just needed to, I just needed to familiarize myself with sword and sorcery a little bit more. And I still haven't quite done that, but I feel like soon I'll be able to piece together something close enough. I think that I could actually try playing it. Cause it actually does. It seems really cool for solo and cause it kind of has that narrative, almost like a savage world stripped down and a little bit more narrative. And that could be really, really cool for solo. But anyway, moving on to the next part of your calling. Hey, James. So I listened to the episode. Frog Aaron sounds great. Really enjoyable episode. You, you know, for a minute there, I was thinking, you know, you're talking about ants and all that. And the first thing that popped in my head were the idea of the ants where they can can have the thing to make zombies, you know, drones out of people. Or not people, but, you know, prey potentially. There's a whole King of the Hill. I don't know if you ever watched the King of the Hill 
cartoon, there's a whole King of the Hill episode where Bobby, the the son of the main character, get he has an ant farm and he falls under the basically the ants turn him into, you, you know, a zombie, a drone, and and, and he's yeah half he falls under the queen spell, and, and yeah anyway. So that was the first place my mind went, and you know, I said, wow man, maybe the ants are they're controlling the weasels and they're getting other animals to control them and they're going for world domination or you know it'd be kind of cool but very cool though really enjoyed the adventure i will pick up a copy of frog Aaron. i do not own that but i will and uh, yeah thank you for all that you're doing really appreciate it and i'll talk to you soon thanks jason i'm glad it turns out you did enjoy frog errant i did as well i think mouse Rider anything is awesome and i think frog errant was a really lovely combination stuff i'll definitely play it again Really, really cool. And I love King of the Hill. I think King of the Hill is one of the funniest, most like poignant. It's one of those things where it just, it's so funny. And part of the reason for me why it's so funny is because it's just a lot of really true parts about it. And yeah, I totally forgot about that episode. I, I, I have seen it, but I totally forgot about that episode. It's so funny to me. Dale is my absolute favorite. He's so funny. Anyway, that, that, uh, the idea, though, of the the ants, because I, that, you know, I was only keeping so many of the details in my head at once while I was playing it, but the ants controlling people actually sounds really cool, and it totally makes me want to play another session of Frog Errant, getting more into the uh, the ant colony kind of thing. That's so cool. Also, while we're on the subject of ants, for anybody who's watched Adventure Time, which I've mentioned a million times how much I love Adventure Time on the show, and it's so funny because when my friends first showed me, I was like, why are you showing me this kid's show? Then I realized kids should totally not watch that show. But it's funny for adults. But there's a really funny episode um, where involving ants where Jake, or not Jake, uh, sorry, Finn, has a sore tooth and he needs to go dentist, how they keep saying it. And they do this weird thing where they, I forget, they like lather him up in mayonnaise or something or lard and tie something to him and they like put him in this big hole and it goes all the way through, and then it turns out that going dentist means you become basically a uh, you you have to become a temporary soldier for the ants army um, against the worms underneath this huge tree where they're fighting these huge worms, and in in exchange for your military service, they will give you a free dental. <laughs> it's just, just like it's just the most. Oh, it's, I love that. I love that show. It's just amazing. But anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that. I also like, I think it's really inexpensive for what it is. Mouse Ritter, on the subject that came up before, another game that's totally free, and it's nuts. It's nuts that the game is free, because it's so good. Uh, like, I, I'm totally enamored by it. I've got some friends who play, we play at like lunchtime on Fridays for an hour. Um, we used to, we used to uh, all work together. Now we all work at different places. Um, but we just play um, with Discord and, and maybe some Owlbear if we need. Although actually Albert changed a ton and I don't know how to use it now. And I was really flailing. So I used the rune hammer one instead, um, which was great because I don't need basically anything. Um, so, cause I don't normally use VTTs, but uh, that one was great. And yeah, just another game that's free and it makes no sense because it's so good. But anyways, uh, I think Isaac Williams, I believe is who makes mouse Ritter. Very generous. Anyway, we're going to move on into um, something that I've been promising for a long time, specifically, well, to the show, but specifically to Jason. And we will see how this goes because I don't know how it will go. But I'm going to I'm gonna throw myself into the deep end and I've done no pre-thought basically at all, except that I want to do this and no preparation. 
So I sat down, well, some preparation, I guess, but but basically just before I sat to record, I made a character, so I didn't have to do that on the air. It took just a couple minutes longer than an OSR game, but since I've done it before, it wasn't too bad. I have made a Genesis character, and we are going to play some pulpy kind of stuff. And I don't know basically anything yet except for one. The character's name is Jeremiah Holloway. It just seemed like a pulp kind of name. Uh, I took the average human archetype. Uh, I didn't get it from one of the settings or anything. One of the example settings they have um, and just the explorer career seemed straightforward enough. Made up all the stats and skills and stuff. Nothing to go into. We'll go into that as the session goes on. Um, you know, he's got a revolver and I put thick vest for armor, but I personally, if I was running a pulp game, I would make it so that you can, you still need to spend it on the, you know, the, the kind of currency you get at the beginning on the armor, but you would, I would borrow something from, uh, amazing adventures where in, in pulp kind of stuff, it's not literally armor. Like maybe you just, it's like a nice suit and somehow, or, or in this case, it's a thick vest, but, um, it's just nice clothing, a cool jacket, a duster jacket, right? And somehow, you know, that acts like armor for the character, even though it's, it's really not. Um, so it's just sort of stylized, but it mechanically works like armor. And so I'm doing that here, um, where visually I'm not really imagining wearing an actual like thick, not quite Kevlar, but like a, a thick vest. Um, and yeah, and so the only thing we will get into, there are random tables for, um, you've got a strength, a flaw, a desire, and a fear. These are just role-playing things. They're not mechanical. Uh, necessarily. And I rolled for them randomly because there's some tables for them and it worked out. So strength is uh, Jeremiah is courageous. His desire is for wealth. Uh, his flaw is recklessness and fear is poverty. So what I take from that is um, this is going to, if anybody hasn't picked up yet, this is going to be kind of an Indiana Jones kind of a thing or similar kind of story here. Um, so the courageous thing is cool. Um, reckless works, totally works for me. Uh, desire for wealth makes total sense in the poverty. The way I'm, the, the, I'm explaining the fear of poverty is just that he grew up, you know, uh, on the street, sort of a hard scrabble kind of a kind of fighter as a kid and doesn't, isn't going to go back. He's not going to go back to the way things were. So that's the way I'm going to kind of leave that. And yeah, we'll get into any stats and skills and whatever as it comes up for anybody who doesn't know. Genesis is the system behind the Star Wars um, fantasy flight games versions of Star Wars. I wish I have the Star Wars dice. I did buy some. Uh, they were out of print. The Genesis specific version of the dice, which is just without the Star Wars symbols, uh, were out of print for a little bit as they changed from FFG to now it's in Edge Studios, which is same parent company, but they shifted people around to separate the RPG part of the company from the card game and board game part of the company, which is fine. And so, but there's so, but I, I bought these 3D printed ones on Etsy's and I bought two packs. And they're really very cool. You can totally just use the Star Wars ones, but I just wanted to make have the symbols match the uh, book exactly, uh, just because, and also because I'm a total dice goblin, and I like having too many dice. All right, let's get into the session. Thanks again for the Collins, Jason, and thanks again for the email, Rich. freezing freezing in this cavern jeremiah can see his breath in front of him trying his best not to shiver as he is in a precarious situation i don't know what that situation is yet so i'm gonna ask and i'm just gonna use because percentile dice occasionally come up in this game 
I'm going to use percentile dice occasionally as an oracle here, uh, or maybe I'll use the genesis dice as they come up. But here we go. First, I'm just going to say, I'm assuming that he is in already in some sort of like a, a temple. But if he's not in some sort of a temple, we'll figure out what it is. So is he in some sort of a temple? I'm going to say it's 50-50. I'm going to say the low numbers are yes. No, actually 90. So it's 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 not a temple. Not only is it not a temple. Um, oh, yeah, okay. It's a... So it's a natural... Oh, actually, you know what? It's going to be the opposite. It's not even going to be natural. Um, I have an idea of what I think... Um, of what I think it is, what I've got in my mind, just based on what I've been watching lately. Let me see if it's that. I'm going to say it's 90% that, that, that what I'm thinking is the case. Okay, yeah. So he's trying trying really hard not to shiver too, um, too much doesn't want to trip anything and he doesn't want he even he's even worried and paranoid about his uh his teeth chattering too loudly you see he's reckless and he's already stumbled his way into this um well they claim anyways that it's a it's a scientific outpost um on the edge here uh, uh staging for an expedition to antarctica so they're not in Antarctica yet. They're still it's still quite cold. Um, I will say the extreme southern southern tip of um, South America. We'll say it's still very cold and frigid. This is supposedly a staging area. They're about to go on this expedition to Antarctica, but there's no, some some stuff just didn't quite add up. Something didn't quite add it up. And, and uh, whoever whoever's behind this, it seems like they they have something that they shouldn't. Jeremiah is more than willing to relieve them of this burden. But he was reckless, and he rushed headlong in, and only noticed as he started to brush up some snow that there there's a laser tripwire system that he's in, and he's uh, he doesn't he doesn't want to trip it. So we're actually we're gonna get right into a skill roll. I figured Indiana Jones starts right in the temple. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start. We're gonna hit the ground running. And I have no idea. And I've been watching X Files, so that that image came from an episode that kind of popped in my head. All right. So, we're going to get into how the system works. Um, I have used Genesis before, but for anybody who hasn't, I'll, I'll recap it briefly. We're going to get into, we've, I've got characteristics, and which are my stats, and then I've got my skills. It's a skill-based game. The dice have funky symbols on them. That throws some people off, but it's very cool because we can get a mix of results, and we'll, we'll get into that. So we've got positive and negative dice, and we've got successes but also and, and, and failures, but also advantages and threats, and all kinds of things like that. And they all... Resolve separately. So, first things first. He is going to have to make... I think either I can make an athletics check to try to to maneuver through or a cool check to just keep his cool and stay still for a second and steady himself. Cool makes a lot of sense, but see, he's not very cool. I have no skills, in it, or no uh, ranks of skill in it at all, and I do have athletics, and he's reckless. So I think he's thinking there's no way but through. The differences here would just be the con this, the stage, uh, the consequences, staging here. So he's just going to try to maneuver his way through quickly before he starts shivering too badly. It's very cold in this part, and he wasn't expecting that. Um, wasn't expecting he was expecting to be more heated in here. Uh, maybe that detail will come back up again. I don't know. All right, so we're going to make a skill check. So here's the way it works. I have the skill athletics. It's backed by the characteristic brawn. And I'm going to build up my dice pool here. This is a dice pool system. So normally, for each rank in your characteristic, 
you would pick up a green, it's like a D8. You pick up this green die, and you, you would roll that, so it's, at, it's based in athletics. However, because I have a skill rank in it, I get to upgrade one of those green dice to a yellow one, which is a D12, and it has better, better chances for me on here. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab two. So in other words, instead of three green ones, I'm going to grab two green ones and a yellow one. Those are my positive dice. And then I am going to do the difficulty. I'm going to say it's. we'll just start off average. I don't want to make it too hard on myself. We're going to say it's, we're going to start off it's average. Not probably for a real person, but this is pulpy, and this is probably something that Jeremiah ends up in. So average difficulty is going to be two purple dice that are purple d8s that offset the normal d8s. However, I'm going to give myself a situational modifier. There's these little d6s, and they're for smaller sort of modifiers. One of them is called a setback die, which only has negative ones on it, but not the worst. And then there's... Um, uh, I forget what they're called now, actually, at the top of my head, but they're little advantage dice, probably. I think they're probably advantage dice. There's a be there's a name for them, and I can't think of what it is right the second. Doesn't matter. Um, I'm gonna use the negative one of the negative ones, a setback die. Now, the other thing is sometimes when you're rolling against skill, sometimes you'll roll with red d12s. Right? Those are even worse possible consequences. But in this case, it's just gonna be just a little bit harder. The consequences aren't necessarily more grave. So, I've got my dice pool. I'm not going to list the dice pool out every single time here, but this, I'm just going to do it this first time so that you can follow along with me a bit. So, once again, on the positive side, I've got two of the green dice and an upgraded yellow one versus two of the purple dice, which are the regular difficulty, and then a setback die, D6, one of the black dice, uh, because of the fact that I just rushed in here and it's cold. Mainly, it's the cold thing. It's going to make it harder. So, I'm going to roll all these dice together and then see the outcome. I need at least one net success. They cancel each other out. Successes cancel failures, and advantages cancel threats, and so on. So, here we go. We're gonna roll it. All right, we're gonna get, uh, let's see, one success. We've got one failure. Wait, one failure? No, we've got, yeah, one success, one failure. Oh no, two successes, here we go. But one failure, so that's one net success. Right? This will be quicker for the subsequent rolls. Again, I'm just detailing it out. And then I've got three threats, which are sort of disadvantages, versus one, two, three advantages. So in this case, the advantages and the threats were the same number, but I had one more success than I had failure. So the net result in this case is one success. So I succeed. So in spite of all of that, he manages to just get a hold of himself and just barely wiggle his way through, twist his arms, his legs through the lasers, and he's able to uh, get to the other side. He flops down with his back on the snow. <sighs> that was a close one. Now, uh, I'm, I'm going to assume that there's probably a door here. I want to know how many doors there are in here. Um, it could be one door, it could be multiple doors. Um, I'm going to roll a D4, actually, to see how many doors are at this part of the facility. Two. Now, here's a question. Is he in an outdoor area? Is that why it's so cold, or is he indoors? I'm going to say it's more likely he's indoors. So I'm going to give it a 75% chance, 75 or lower, he's in some sort of an indoor thing. No, in 86, he's, he is outside. So basically, he just breached the perimeter, which is why he wasn't expecting the lasers here, but he's getting close to the building now. There are two doors. Um, I want to see if there is anything he can notice. Um, again, I'm a little bit more... I do perception rolls more in solo than in, in the table because I want to know if he can even find anything. And, and we're in, in uh, 
uh, at my table, uh, you know, I would do it more where when they ask a specific question, they'll just get a specific answer for the most part. But in this case, it's solo. So I'm going to make a perception check. That's a cunning. So I have a three in cunning, and I do have one one skill point. So that's going to be the same positive dice pool here. And I'm going to say that it is... Um, we're going to make it a hard difficulty here um, to see if he can... What he, what he wants to figure out is uh, if one of the doors looks like it is... Um, or if, if there's some indication that one door has more security measures than the other, because um, he doesn't want to go straight into the main area, obviously it'll trip, trip any sorts of alarms. So he's really looking for like alarms or signs of wear or anything like that that would indicate sort of which direction he would, he's got to go. So I'm going to roll that dice pull up. And let's see what we get. We get three, three threats and three advantages. So those cancel each other out again. And we actually get two successes and we get two failures. So this is one of the rare times where um, he doesn't succeed, but there's no disadvantage necessarily. He just can't tell. Um, nobody's coming after him yet or anything. The situation hasn't totally worsened. It's just ambiguous. It's totally ambiguous as to which door it is, um, which leads him to just to just decide he's just going to have to pick one. Uh, the doors themselves don't seem to have, um, have anything. So now he's going to have to try to see... Um, I'm going to have to see if they're locked. Are, are, are <clears throat> the one on the left, is it locked? 50-50? Uh, yes, it is, but just barely. Um, he sees it does have a lock, but it looks like a fairly primitive lock. Is the one on the right obviously locked? 50-50? 69%? No, it is not. So he's going to go for the one on the right, and he's going to slowly, slowly open it. Um... I need to know as the GM if there's anybody in there. He doesn't know, but is there anybody in there? We'll keep it 50-50. Uh, yes, there. Uh, it was a 24, so there's probably a couple people in there. We'll say that there's uh, D3. People have all these D3s I just bought. <laughs> For some reason, I actually thought they were D6s. They look really cool, but they're D3s. Anyway, there's D3 people in there. Okay, there's two people in there, and he is going to... Um, have to try to see if he can open the door stealthily and sneak in there without them noticing. So this is going to be the other kind. So sometimes I've been saying the difficulty, average or hard, this is going to be an opposed role, and I'm going to make up an opposition sort of stat, which is very easy to do, I personally think, on the fly. Um, I'm going to pick the better perception of the people in here. I'm going to say, um, it, well, I'm going to ask, is, if there's, is there anybody that's more than just a guard in here, which I'm going to say uh, this at this point is unlikely. I'm going to say it's 80% that it's just playing guards. Nine. Yeah, so pretty much, yeah, totally. It's just They're just regular guards. So their perception is just going to be a two, I think, which is totally average. So two purple dice. Nothing upgraded there. And he's going to try to sneak in um, quietly and stealthily. And let's see. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. His um, stealth... Again, three cunning, is it, yeah, three, stealth is agility. Three agility and one skill point. Let's see what we get. We get, uh, I need to paint these in, actually, make it easier to see. But we've got two successes, or one, one net, or, yeah, two successes. The advantage and the threat cancel each other out. So we got two successes, so he's able to sneak in. They're, the guards are looking the other way. They're looking at some, some glowing sort of analog control panels. 
Of course, maybe a camera feed, and he just slowly sneaks in and slowly closes the door behind him. Um, is there any nearby cover? I'm going to say it's probably likely. I'm going to say it's a 75% chance there's some nearby cover for him. 34, yeah. So he sneaks behind one of the heavy, heavy machine consoles. He's going to ready his pistol just in case he needs to use it. Um, how many ways out of here are there? I'm going to roll a d4. Cracks die. Two. Two ways out of here. Um... So there's, we'll say, one straight ahead past the guards and then one to the left. Um, there's probably quite a bit of machinery uh, in here. He's already stealthy. I'm not going to let that roll ride until he does basically anything different. Um, let's see. What is there to glean from the control panel? Um, is it cameras or is it something else? I'm going to say that it's 40% likely that it's cameras. 80. No, it's not cameras. Uh, it's some It's some sort of uh, threat, I think. Um, is it some sort of a weapon? 50-50? 41%. Yeah, it's some sort of a weapon. They've got some sort of a, a super weapon in here. Um, let's see. Here's the question. Do I get in a fight with these guys? I would certainly alert everyone that I'm here. try once more to sneak up behind one of the guys and um like if I can sneak up behind him enough I can, if I can if I can put a gun to him maybe I can convince the other guy to let me know what's going on here without hitting the alarm I realize now actually I'm being overly cautious about this we know Jeremiah is reckless uh and I think that's that's what he's gonna do um but he's not going to hold a gun to the guy. He's just going to try to knock the one guy out. So first things first, he's going to um, find some of the grab. There's probably something. I'm going to say it's 90%. There's something nearby he can grab. 86, barely. But yeah, there's there's something small he grabs. He throws it in the other end of the room so that it moves. And the, and the guard, um, does the, we'll say 50-50, does the guard take the bait? 18, yes. The guard start, One of the guards starts going off into that hallway. What, what was that? It starts going looking at the noise. Um... Jeremiah is going to try to sneak up behind the other guy um, and hit him. So it's just it's just one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, in general, minions, which I'm going to use minion rules for the uh, for the guards here, they don't have skills individually. Um, they just have group skills as groups, so it's still just going to be their t his two um, perception, and then my stealth rolls are going to be the same as before. Um, but I'm going to give myself a advantage die because the other guy is totally distracted so they're, they're a bit distracted and they're, and they're split up so I'm going to give myself a little bit of an advantage there I think oh and I also forgot there's story points I can spend it's kind of a meta currency you can upgrade one of your um, you can upgrade one of your dice if you by spending a story point I think there's a pool of three of them to start out with um, I believe that's what we're going to use we're going to use it like Benny's and Savage Worlds but the GM then also has those that the GM can spend as well <clears throat> which I will do to myself if it, if it seems narratively appropriate. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to... That makes more sense, actually. I'm still going to leave the advantage die, but I think it, I'm going to spend... Let me grab maybe something I can demarcate my... Actually, I'll use one of these D3s. And I'll put it on the left side is for the GM, and on the right side is for me. So we each have three. I'm going to spend one of mine to go down to two. So I'm going to upgrade another one of my green dice to be yellow. So I really want to succeed here. Let's see. 
any failures. That's nice. And I got one... Whew. Just one success, though. But two net advantages. So, I... The way I'm going to do that is... Um, there are mechanical ways, by the way, in the book, if you're worried, like, oh, I'll never come up with ways to spin the advantage. You can just let them fall by the wayside if you don't want. But... You can also just come up with narrative reasons, but there are examples in a lot of situations in the book, like in combat and other things, that you can spend those on. I'm just going to play it fairly narrative, though, and loose for Zolo. So he's got two advantages. So he goes over, he pull, his pistol's already out, he knocks the guy in the back of the head, knocks him out, he slumps down, the other guy's sort of investigating. For the two advantages, I think I'm going to get... Um, I'm going to uh, spend them, basically, he, to still... He, well, he's going to have a second to glance at the panel and I'm gonna give myself to, uh, an opportunity to make some other kind of action before this other guy turns around and notices me. Or before I have to slink off. I'll give myself one more thing I can do. Uh, so, he's looking at the panel. We know it's it's gotta be some sort of a weapon. Um, does it have to do with the thing he came here for? Which we don't know what that is yet. Does it have anything to do with the thing he came here for? 19, yes, it does. Um, well, I think we need to determine what the thing he came here for is. Uh, let me see. I've got my oracle here. I'll need printed out version right here. Deck of cards. So let's go ahead and pull that out so we can use prompt. Okay. Let's give that one more shuffle. have to do with first use one of the suits um, it has to do with it's a creature okay it's a creature what kind of creature we'll do two of these five of spades which is riches this really makes sense for Jeremiah riches and then nine of uh, diamonds toil riches toil Well, it could be like a work, uh, a really expensive work animal, like a horse, but he wouldn't come across all the way across for for a horse. What, um, let's see, is it a mythical beast? Uh, no, it is not. It's not a mythical beast. So in this case, I think it's it's a real it's a real animal. Um, let's see, toil. It's it's got to be something that uh, something that people have been looking for for a long time. There'd be. Um, Oh, I wonder... Oh, I wonder if it's something... Okay, I have an idea. I want to see if my idea... Which is not original at all. That's kind of the thing about... So don't worry about being original with solo play. Like, do all the tropes. It's cool. It's your game. I kind of have an idea of what this is. I'm going to say 50%. 81. No, it's not that. I was thinking it was almost like a Jurassic Park kind of thing where they're bringing back dinosaurs. So it's not, it's not that. Oh. Well, then I know the other thing because of what I've been watching, and I've already mentioned it, so maybe you already have the idea in your head. It's something people have been uh, looking around for forever, and, and whoever could get it would be uh, would be incredibly rich, but in the wrong hands, like we established before, could be terrible. And I know exactly what it is. All of a sudden, he sees on the screen, there's a deep, uh, like a cold storage chamber that opens up and a bunch of, uh, <laughs> basically a bunch of... Um, liquid nitrogen 
kind of, you know, dry ice effect kind of uh, spills out. And there's some scientists in there, uh, and they look like they're extracting something with a huge syringe, and then they're putting it into some sort of a, a case, and then he looks and sees another camera, and there is, um, oh, there's a rocket silo. Cool, yeah, there's a big rocket silo. And uh, he, he kind of puts two and two together and realizes to himself that they're using the alien DNA that he's come here for that he's come to retrieve to, you know, for whoever's hired him. He knows that it's going to be bad in their hands. And in fact, it looks like they're about to put in a huge rocket and launch it to, to do who, know who's what, you know, maybe reconfigure people into aliens, uh, you know, some sort of a chemical warfare agent. Who knows? Maybe these guys are aliens themselves. It's hard to know. But he's got one more second. And that last advantage, I'm going to say that he has something that he can do here. And... I'm gonna see. Let's see. Is there? Does he have some sort of a way to um, start the rocket sequence early, or hinder the rocket sequence so that they have to like? Um, yeah. Is there a way from this panel that he can scuttle the rocket sequence, or at least slow it down so they have to reset it? Um, I'm gonna say there's only a 20% chance. 61. Yeah. No. There's no way he can scuttle that from here. But. Maybe he can, let's see, can he, is there a way he can sever temporarily communications from here? We'll say that's a 40% chance. 14, yeah. So he um, turns like the communications, um, the, the communications array. He, uh, he, t- he like uh, turn, turns it off and that's gonna do it temporarily. Um, or he could risk it and try to like s- like smash this part basically of the panel. That'll definitely alert the other guy though. Um, does he do it? I'm gonna say, hmm. No, he's just gonna have to turn the con- those off temporarily and see if he can sneak out of here. Okay, so he does that. He temporarily turns off the communications. He's gonna try to sneak out of here. Um, but I think, um, let's see, GM should start out with three. I think it's, GM starts out with no story points and I start out with three, maybe that's what's supposed to be. Either way, the GM has one now. And I'm just gonna go ahead and spend it right back because I think this is the time I'm gonna have to try to sneak out of here. So I'm gonna use some stealth and uh, I'm gonna upgrade one of the difficulty die here, dice here for, um, for this guard. I could have spent you know, advantage from before to give myself an advantage die here, but nope, I used it on circumstantial things. So we're gonna roll my stealth. Let's see what happens. Here's what we get. We get two successes. There's no failures, that's good. No, there is one failure. So we got one success, one net success, and then, let's see, two advantages, three threats. So we got a success, but there's a threat. So he manages, here's the problem, is he manages to sneak around the corner. But before he leaves, he hears the guard say, oh, that's weird. And the guard, the thing is, the guard turns off. Or the, the guard notices. He doesn't turn it off yet, maybe, because I didn't, well, yeah. No, the guard turns off, or turns the communications back on. So he's suspicious. It didn't fail. I snuck out. But he, um, he notices that the communications are off. And in a second, he's going to for sure notice that the other guard there is knocked out 
Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to give... We're going to get into combat, but because I already did a successful stealth roll, I'm going to give Jeremiah... I'm going to rule that I'm going to give Jeremiah a surprise round because he's going to pop from around the corner and try to, try to, you know, hit this guy hard. I'm using the example stats from the um, modern-day setting, uh, example setting in the Genesis core book. Um, basically, well, short version, we'll just say, like, you've got minions, rivals, and nemeses. Minions are only work in packs... Stuff like this for for um, D6 space too, where they only they only have stats as a group. Uh, they can't they don't have skills, uh, and they can't take what's called strain in this game. Then you've got rivals. They still can't take strain, but they do have their own skills. They're a little bit more powerful. And then ne a nemesis is essentially the same as a player character. You can do all the same thing player characters can do. He's got talents and skills and all that kind of good stuff. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna use the militia minion here for the guards. So. He's not in a group, so he doesn't have any skills for brawling. So we're just gonna, he's just gonna be his brawn. Um, so I'm gonna get a free round of melee here. I do have a brawl skill, because I'm just trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, fight with actual melee weapons. I'm just trying to brawl, basically, knock him out. It's actually one of my career skills, and that's based on my brawn, which is three. And then that's gonna go against his, or there's, melee is always a difficulty uh, of just average, so two purple dice. Um, and then, yeah, I've got the surprise round is, is the uh, advantage I'm going to take here in this case. I don't know if that's one of the rules in Genesis or not. It just seems appropriate. Again, it's solo, so I'm playing a little bit loose. Okay. Here we go. Got to try to knock him out now. Uh, let's see. So we got... I really need to paint in these little marks. They're much easier to see. So there's three successes. That's going to be good. Well, that might trigger... Oh, no, I don't have critical because I'm not building the weapon. Uh, but anyway, we get uh, three successes. So we get two net successes, and then, but we get two threats. Um, okay. Yeah, which is just going to mean he's going to be really exposed to this guy. This guy's going to have some leverage to hit him back. So I'm going to hit him. Um, and he has so. So here's kind of how this works. Uh, in this case, it's going to be one damage, because I'm not using a weapon, so one damage per success. Alright, now, if you're using a weapon, they usually have a crit range, so if you roll that many successes, you do critical damage, which the weapon will usually tell you what that means. Um, you know, you, it's plus a certain unit, so more damage or, or whatever. We can get into that. But in this particular case, um, it's, a, it's just a damage of, of plus one, or not plus one, no pluses, just because it's melee. So, like, ranged weapons do fixed damage. Melee depends on how many successes you get. Right, so how how hard you hit? If you think of it that way, simply it's how hard you hit versus like the range weapon. It's just if you hit, right? Anyway, let's get, we're getting a little in the weeds. So I rolled two net successes. That's gonna be two damage, and um, the guard has a soak of three, which means I didn't do I didn't do enough damage. Um, I didn't do enough damage in order to um, <coughs> excuse me. I didn't do enough damage to uh, get through. Soak is like soaks up three, three damage there. So nothing done. He hits him, but he hits him, but the, the the guard moves at the last second enough to not take a knocking out blow. So now we're getting into into the fight here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take that the threat I got as two setback dice for my initiative roll. So here's how initiative works. I'm gonna roll. Um, there's two stats you could use for initiative. 
cool would be like if you know you're you're sitting at the bar you know the bad guys are coming they bust in and you're just trying to keep your cool and that's that can be your initiative if that's how you're approaching the fight um, or vigilance is you're relying on your you know how how um, perceptive you are of the situation and all that how, how on top of the situation you are which is what I would be using here so that's what I'm going to be using that's based on my willpower which I only have two but I do have a skill in that so a green one and a yellow one I'm going to have two of the black setback dice um, uh, and I forget let me see I, I don't think I roll against the difficulty I think it's just I roll to see how many um, how many successes I get I could home rule this for, for a solo where I could just make an average difficulty and if I succeed or I, again I could do it against his stats and if I succeed then I go before and if I fail I go after the bad guys that would be kind of you know but we'll, we'll do it by the book here I just gotta look real quick to see um, how these work Okay, yeah, so you make what's called a simple check. So there's no, there's in general no difficulty modifier, but here I'll have the two setback dice, and then I'll roll for the, the other guy, and we'll keep those rounds. So let's see. One success, uh, two advantages to cancel out the threat. So just one success. So I have one success, and then he has, uh, let's see here. Oh, I flipped off the setup here. Okay. He has a, he has no skills in that, so it's going to be his agility, which is just one, which is terrible. Or no, it's will. He's got a willpower of two. So he's got two. Uh, and so he gets one success and one advantage, which means he's going to actually go first. Um, now it says he's got an assault rifle. Uh, so he doesn't have anything for close range. So let's see. He is going to end up having... Uh, I think that's going to end up being more... It's been a long time since I've played combat here. I think it's going to be more difficult then. No, it's even easier because it's short range. Dang. Um, okay. Well, so he's he's at a short range here. Um, it has a long range and it has auto fire, which I'm not going to look that up right now. Uh, this could do a lot of damage. So he's going to first try to shoot, and that's an agility. Fortunately, he's only got one of those. Um, and he doesn't... Normally, you would have the ranged heavy skill, but he's an individual now and not a group. So he doesn't have the ta those talents, or those uh, skills, rather. So instead, he's just going to have to roll on his plain agility, which is terrible. So he's going to shoot at me, let's see, and I don't have any defense, which would be a setback die. Uh, so we got an advantage, so he shoots, he misses, but the advantage is that he's created a lot of noise now, um, and uh, certainly people will start to become aware, you know, fairly soon that he's here. He's, he's not quiet anymore, so that's going to work to that guy's advantage. Alright, so now Jeremiah is going to take a shot. He does have his pistol out already. We've established that. And he does have the ranged skill. You can split into heavy and light. I just felt like for pulpy stuff, you know, nobody cares about the web if the weapon is heavy or light. It's just a weapon is a weapon. You're good with it or not. Uh, so we can see agility three. And then you have the skill. Um, and that's a short range. So it's only one purple die here. Um, See, or the other guy's advantage. Yeah, no, that, that makes more narrative sense. So we'll just leave it at that. All right. Um, so for his movement, he's not going to move. He's going to aim for his maneuver, his movements, and that's going to give him an advantage die. And then he's going to aim and shoot at this guy. So there we go. You get one maneuver and then one action uh, per round. So he's going to shoot at this guy with his heavy pistol. Here we go. Let's do this. Okay, I get... Uh, uh, I get a... A net failure, but I got three advantages. So here's an example of what I'm talking about in the game of 
where it tells you like here's some things that you can use to spend on uh, an advantage or advantages right so here's their example in combat for example you could spend an advantage to recover a strain add uh, an advantage die then to an allied character's next check or notice something important um, you know you can inflict critical injuries if you had a successful damage or a successful attack that went past their soak um, item qualities things like that there are some examples of things um, you know, you perform, spend two to perform an, um, an immediate free maneuver, but I've got three of them. So it said you could negate the target enemy's defense, which she doesn't have. Let's see, ignore penalizing environmental effects. We're not, well, uh, we're not dealing damage, so get plus one melee or range defense until the end of the character's next turn. That's actually pretty good. Ooh, here we go, though. Force the target to drop a melee or ranged weapon they're wielding. So, he doesn't hit the guy, but what happens is he shoots the- I'm gonna spend all three advantages to make that happen. So, he shoots the gun, and the guy drops his- his weapon, so he's gonna have to spend, um, he's gonna have to spend his movement doing that. Um, alright. So, next up it's that guy, he's gonna have to go pick up, uh, the- pick up the gun, or he could run. Um, is he gonna run? Uh, we'll say, um, I don't know, we'll say there's a 30% chance he runs. Uh, no, he doesn't run. Uh, so he picks up the gun. He's gonna try to shoot again. Uh, let's see. Can he pick it up and ready it in once? I don't think he can, because I have a specific, uh, feat that lets me, uh, draw and holster it. Well, that's as an incidental. Yeah, as an incidental, like a free action, basically. So he can pick it up. Um, I'll let him do it though, because I don't know the for, the for sure the rule. It's been a long time since I played this game, and I'm very rusty. Um, and I don't think you need to make a fuss about it either. You can go with what makes sense. Uh, but I'm going to give him basically a set. I'm going to give him a setback die to do it, um, because he's he's hurried here. So he's just going to shoot his one um, his one agility. He doesn't get to use the skill. Uh, and a setback. So he gets two successes. Um, and a threat. So here's how his weapon works. Um, his weapon does damage. Um, where did we go here? Here's my setting. His damage does, the assault rifle does eight, which is a lot. Uh, it does a critical on three, so fortunately he did not get three successes. He actually couldn't have with this poor um, dice pool. So he hits um, damage eight. Fixed damage for ranged, uh, but fortunately he didn't get a critical. He got a threat though, um, so we'll see what that is in a second for uh, for him. I mean, it's probably well, I don't know if his gun jams. That seems pretty severe for one. Anyway, he shoots, does damage eight. So here's how this works. I've got a soak value of four, so that means four damage makes it through to my wounds. So I take four wounds, and I've got a threshold of thirteen before I take any critical damage. So uh, I get nicked in the shoulder. So now I'm going to shoot. Um, so he dropped the weapon before, but now I'm going to shoot back, and I do, again, have the skill, and it's easy up here. Um, and I'm going to spend, or, well, I'm going to aim, uh, and we'll just leave it at that. And we'll leave it at that. Ooh, okay, yeah, we get one of these symbols for the first time. So I got one regular success, but I also got a triumph, which, no matter what happens, it's a really good thing that happens. Um... But uh, even if you fail, a really good thing happens, but it also counts as a second success. So I have 
essentially two successes and two threats that cancel each other out, but I still end up with an advantage and a triumph. So I shoot and I miss, but let's see, a really good thing happens. Um, and I'm gonna say, what's that really good thing? Oh, okay. Um, here's what happens. One of the scientists walks through the door. He's heard a bunch of stuff going on. He's checking his, like, uh, what's, what's going on in here? Which is a dumb thing for him to do, but one of the scientists wanders in here. That's a good guy for me to try to get in between, try to capture, um, instead of just standing here and fighting. But I do end up missing. Um, but the, the, the critical thing for the combat here is the guy is, the other guy is totally distracted because of that. Um, so that's going to be um, some setback for him, um, for sure, based on what he does. So, uh, let's see. So we'll take that advantage. All right. Now, the other guy, again, is going to shoot back, but he's going to have a setback die from that, for sure. Because he's distracted by the scientist walking in. All right. He gets two advantages. Um, which he's gonna spend, I think, to, um, give himself a... So he, he shoots, he doesn't hit, but it allows him to get closer to the scientist and get behind cover, um, which will give me a setback die for shooting at him. So he's behind some cover. I'm gonna take a, end up taking a setback die. I am gonna shoot at him, though. Um, I wanna try to neutralize him before, uh, so I can try to nab this scientist. So I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna spend a story points. The GM will have one and I'll have two left. So I'm gonna upgrade one of my dice. So I really wanna make this happen. Make it happen, Captain. Okay, what do we get? What do we get? We get three advantages and a failure. So I, I do fail, um, but what here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna shoot the gun once again. Oh, I didn't aim. Am I gonna let myself retcon that to roll that additional die? Because <laughs> I didn't use my movement. Yep, I'm gonna be a bad person because I'm forgetful here. I'm gonna wreck on it. I, I, the movement I was gonna take was to aim. I didn't roll that die, so I'm gonna roll it now. Wow, he gets two more advantages. So here's what I'm gonna do. He shoots the gun out of the. Uh, he shoots the gun out of that guy's hand again. Or no wait. Hmm. Let's, it also lets me take some sort of play, right? Now I'm gonna shoot the gun out of that guy's hand. Um, and that's going to be really, really intimidating to the scientist. Um, so the scientist is going to is going to like cower in place, basically in fear. Okay, that's going to basically be what that is. Uh, does the guard pick up the gun and shoot back? Now that he is, I mean, maybe he even surrenders um, because this, this guy's cowering. He's dropped his gun, um, and Jeremiah is super intimidating here. I don't know. We'll say that he has a, there's a 25, well, no, we'll say there's a 30% chance that he surrenders. Nope, 52. He wants to keep on fighting. Um, but he's going to stay behind cover, though. So he's going to pick up his gun and then rush fully behind cover. He's going to try to get help. He's not going to stay and fight. Um, so he rushes off uh, So because he wants to go hit the alarm. As the alarm in this room, we'll say 50-50. 17, yeah, the alarm in this room. So he's going to rush to the other end of the room, um, staying behind cover the whole way. So he's not at the alarm yet. That was at the original panel, we'll say. Uh, that means the scientist is here. He's just cowering in place. So what... Uh, it's time to leave. We don't need to fight this fight. Uh, so what Jeremiah is going to do is he is going to... Um, 
move towards where the scientist, the door of the scientist just came through. Uh, he's gonna hold up his gun, grab the scientist, uh, and um, like on his way out with the movement. So he, and he's gonna start to move out of the room. Uh, so we'll see. Let's see if if, if he, we're gonna do uh, athletics. If he can do athletics and get through the door, we'll we'll make it a cool pulpy moment. He can get through the door. Maybe it's even a key card. He can get through the door as it's closing because this is all happening really quick. Um, and athletic. If not, then he'll get to the door anyway. So let's see. Let's make that athletics check because why not? All right, agility. We've got the skill, and we'll make this um, hard difficulty or regular difficulty rather. Alright, let's see. We get um, a failure, but we get three advantages. Um, well, he's still, got the, he's still got the scientist between him and the other guy. So, if the guard does decide to take a shot after triggering the alarm... Um, oh, actually, here's what we'll do. Um, we are going to make... Uh, okay, yeah. So, um, because he's got the scientist and he's about to get through the door, the guy uh, is about to press the alarm and, and the scientist like starts freaking out and he's worried that if he hits the alarm that uh, Jeremiah will shoot. We'll, we'll make this uh, an incidental so it's not an action. And Jeremiah says, better not hit that, the alarm or the scientist is going to get it. And uh, let's see. What we're going to do is we're going to make... The other guy have to make a cool check. See if he can keep his cool if he's going to hit this alarm. Um, which is basically like uh, we're, it's going to be cool versus um, Jer what we'll do is we'll make it cool versus Jeremiah's um, hmm, could be coercion. Yeah, versus his coercion, which is will willpower based, so that's just a, a regular difficulty for him. Um, and let's see, he's gonna have to make cool, what's cool? Cool is presence. That guy only has a presence of one. Um, and then, uh, let's see. Yeah, but I'm gonna give him, because of the situation, I'm basically, I'm spending um, each of those advantages from the scientist, uh, sort of to force this roll, but also um, to give him three setback dice, which is a lot, because it's gonna be hard for him to hold his cool here. All right. So, with all of that, the guy rolls a net failure with two threats. So, he doesn't hit the button, um, and he, uh, so he, he doesn't keep his cool, so he doesn't hit the button, uh, and with those threats, I think he's just gonna run out of there. Um, he just runs off. He's gonna tr go try to call for help, um, but he just runs out. Jeremiah's like, fine by me. Um, tries to get the, the, the scientist to open the door back up. Um, we'll say that's easy. In this case, because the circumstances, we'll say that's easy coercion. Um, and it succeeds, with a, it succeeds with a threat. So, he says, um, uh, fine, but you know they'll, they'll be looking for me. They're, they've already probably noticed that I'm gone, which they probably have. The scientist opens up, uh, Opens up the door for him, though. Um, let's see, is there anybody in this next room? Seems unlikely. I'm going to say it's only a 20% chance there's people in this room because the scientists came out. Of all people, there's no guards. Like, the scientists came out to investigate, but could always be a chance. So, 20% chance. 24. Whew, barely. Yeah, no, there's nobody else in here. Um, 
Is, are there any useful panels, though? Um, let's say that there's a 75% chance there are. 61, yeah. Uh, he says, uh, all right, you're going to tell me how to, uh, you're going to tell me how to, uh, sabotage this rocket. Now, that's going to be hard. I think it's going to be hard to convince the scientist to, to do that. Um, and there's no skill involved here, but I'm going to give me an advantage die. Well, no, I got, I did get a threat because the scientist is already intimidated. So I'm going to give myself a setback because the scientist is already like, he doesn't like being pushed around and threatened. Uh, so he already doesn't like me. So that's how we're going to do it. I'm going to try to convince him to help me, uh, tell me how to scuttle the rocket. Uh, let's see. That's a total, uh, total of two, two threats. So I don't succeed. It's like, um, <clears throat> well, I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't tell you anyways. Uh, but even, even if you wanted to, it's too late. It's too late for you to sabotage the rocket. Our, our plans are already in motion. What plans? Um, where, where are you shooting the rocket? Um, let's see. What, what kind of target is he shooting the rocket at? We'll ask the Oracle. Four of hearts and the ten of hearts. Four of hearts is... Uh, entrench. And then the ten of hearts... Entrench and create. Entrench um, let's see. It's gonna be... Where, let's see. Let me get two more words, see if that'll help. Entrench, create, eight of diamonds, retire, queen of hearts, retire, execute. Okay, um, so they're going to launch it at, um, oh, okay. They're gonna launch it at, uh, there's a, there's a retired... Ooh, there's an old Monsanto, um, there's an old Monsanto warehouse with a bunch of, um, like a retired strain of, of extra, like plants that pollinate, or not pollinate, but that have, um, there's like a kudzu, um, level of invasive species mixed with some other things, but the thing is their pollen spreads super wide too. So it's not just that they're resilient, but they spread super fast and they're going to try to infect it with uh, the alien DNA to basically spread this alien DNA everywhere um, as like a virus that turns people into aliens. Um, well, that's no good. Oh, because it's going to, well, it would basically poison the food supply as well, but um, but this, this stuff would, would populate everywhere. Um, so then uh, Jeremiah says, like, well, you're no use to me. What kind of place can he see? Let me shuffle these up. What kind of place can he see uh, in the cameras in this room, which we'll just say that there are. They can still see the stuff in the room um, that he can head to next. Um, let's see. Where can he go next? He can go to Jack of Hearts. Uh, derive two of clubs. Derive war. Oh, well, um, there's like a... Hmm armory, but that's not quite right. Uh, mm, no, okay. I know there's derived war. Um, there's a, uh, there's a hangar. There's a hangar in here somewhere. Um, so he's gonna look in there, because again, maybe he can find some sort of communications array in there, to, at the least, or he can try to steal the vehicle. So he's gonna move, uh, and try to sneak into there. Can he sneak in there? There's definitely gonna be guards in there. We're gonna say that that's hard. GM is definitely going to spend his point to upgrade one of those dice. We want some drama here, and I'm going to try to uh, I'm going to try to sneak in there. 
see what we get here. We get, it's not looking good so far. Well, we get one net success, and uh, the, actually the, the advantage of the threats cancel out, so he just, he did barely manages to sneak in there behind the guards. Um, is there a plane or like a helicopter? Um, where did my percentile list go? Here we go. Uh, we'll say 50-50. Is there a plane? Uh, 17%. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a there's like a really, really fancy jet in here. Um, and let's see. Can he find a communications array on board? We'll say 50%. Ooh, one. Yeah. There's a ham radio in here. It's not just any communication. There's like a ham radio on board that's like corporate jet. And so he's going to try to tune in. Uh, the frequencies here and see this is probably gonna be the mechanics he'll certainly be able to do it it's pulp we're gonna make we're gonna just like let him succeed it's just a question of can he do this before any guards show up like how long does this take him so we'll say that this is um we'll say that this is basically a mechanics well it could be like no not not computers we'll say it's mechanics it's a mechanics skill which is intelligence or intellect rather which is not necessarily his his thing um we'll say it's a regular difficulty succeed but with three threats so he manages to communicate um, communicate out this distress that this is going on but it's going to take them some time to oh they can't um, he does get in communication with somebody <coughs> excuse me who says all right well we can we can be there and intercept it's going to take some time but the problem is uh, we can't see that there's there's there it's hidden from the radar we need a way to be able to identify um, <laughs> okay we need a way to be able to identify the spot where we, we're going to send in uh, send in our troops. After he's detailed this whole thing, it takes him a couple minutes. Guards aren't onto him yet or anything. And he's like, uh, okay. Be on the lookout for a smoke signal. And he is going to spool up the plane. So he is going to, uh, let's see. He's going to make an athletics check. Well, he's going to go close the door. He already snuck in here, so if people don't know he's in here. Uh, he's going to close the 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 plane door that he snuck into uh and he's gonna start spooling up uh he's gonna start spooling up the corporate jet uh and let's see how what we'll do is he's gonna have to try to make a piloting check well well let's see he's not gonna have to make a pilot check he's just gonna just crash the dang thing um how long is the runway though of, of, of where he needs to crash this thing to, to like make a big smoke signal like is there like a or is there like a fuel tanks somewhat in the area seems like it sort of would make sense we'll say there's a 30% chance 48 no there's no there's no fuel tanks uh, there's got to be something else um, oh there, is there a control tower nearby there's definitely got to be one somewhat nearby is it fairly close is the really the question we'll say it's a 50% chance Ooh, 91 and it was all the way at the other end of the runway so here's what he's going to have to do. Uh, all of a sudden, there's going to be all kinds of people shooting at him with all kinds of things. Um, he's going to have to make a piloting check to see if he can, you know, maneuver it, even, even you know, pilot the plane even under pressure, crash into this thing on the other end. We're going to make it hard. We're going to definitely make it hard. Um, he doesn't have any piloting, but it's agility. So fortunately, that stat is high. He's definitely being shot at, though. Um, he's got to try to crash this thing and get it ready, or at least on a crash course, I should say. Got to set it on a crash course, taxiing across the runway. Let's see, four, four success, or no, three successes, and 
uh, one threat. So he does get the controls locked in. Um, but here's the thing, now he's, there's, there's a, let's see, there's probably some jeeps that are coming alongside, and he's got to disembark this thing before the plane crashes. So he's going to jump out. There's definitely a jeep with, with two guys in it that's going to be shooting at him. So he's going to have to make an athletics check to jump out of the plane and land on the ground and try to recover in enough time before this jeep totally comes and captures him. So we're going to make an athletics check. I haven't failed a lot of stuff. This is great. My luck is amazing right now. Um, so we got three brawn for athletics. Actually, that's one of my skills. These guys in the Jeep, they're going to be quick and nimble. So we're going to make this a pretty a pretty tough check. So we're going to have four difficulty for this one. We're going to really ramp this up. Um, and we're going to give him a setback from his disadvantage because that that Jeep got up real nice and close. So it's going to be even harder. Oh, wait, you know what? He's, he's not going to do that. I'm an idiot. This is pulp. We're not going to try to jump on the ground and avoid the Jeep. We're going to try to jump in the Jeep. Of course. We're going to try to knock one of these guys out and try to take over the Jeep. We're going to try to jump into the... the um, the jeep spot. Now this is going to be hard because this is a ridiculous thing that I'm doing. But why not? We've already been playing over 50 minutes. All right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. We got three successes. Wait, three, four, four successes. But we got five failures. So we do fail this thing. Let's see. One threat. Uh, two threats. Cancels out the uh, one advantage that I got. So I get. I I fail with one threat. So I, I try to jump in the Jeep and, you know, take control of this Jeep. I don't manage to jump in the Jeep. Um, I am going to, uh, excuse me, I think I'm going to end up taking some strain on that. Because he, he failed and he got the, um, right, we'll say that he takes one strain. Um, and, <coughs> excuse me, he misses uh, and he goes tumbling along on the, uh, He goes tumbling on the on the on the runway. Here's the thing: is the plane does crash, boom! It explodes into um, into the trailer. Though he, now he's going to have to make a really important, I think. Um, I'm not going to roll for initiative like that. That jeep is there, and there's definitely guys with guns in there. He's going to have to make, I think, uh, an athletics check to try to dodge some damage here. That's just how we're going to play that. Um, and it's going to be they've, they've got some. I'm, I'm imagining a machine gun in the back, so it's going to be hard. Um, there's going to be probably three difficulty on this one. But here we go, anyway. Uh, let's see. That's three advantages, and two, so he gets one total advantage. So he doesn't he doesn't manage to dodge out of the way. So he's going to take another. He's going to take a hit here. I'm just going to say that he takes a hit. Um, but uh, we'll, and we'll just say it's a it's a hit of. Uh, Damage six from heavy pistol. We'll give him a damage four. I'm just making this up. Well, no, it'll be like a damage eight, like that assault rifle. So he's gonna take four more wounds. He takes another hit. Ugh. Not at the critical threshold or anything, but he does manage to find cover. Uh, let's see. This is pulpy though. Is there a place where we can run? Is there some sort of like drainage ditch he could try to get in and sneak in? Probably unlikely. Let's say it's only a 20% chance. 29% chance at 29. He almost had this crazy chance of a thing happening, but alas. Uh, so these guys are on there. Um, and he is going to have to give himself up. Now, I've been playing for a long time, so I'm going to have to set this aside. I could, I could play this for hours. It's great. Um, 
I hope you're enjoying listening to this. I'm having a great time imagining this. Uh, but here's how we're going to do it. Um, maybe I'll just set this aside. I can always come back to this one day, but I want to know how the scene ends. I want to know if um, the big bad gets here before the good guys show up. That seems pretty likely to me. I'm going to say there's an 80% chance that he gets captured and taken to see the big bad guy before the good guys show up. 80% chance. 41, yeah. So he gives himself up. He's kind of wounded. They tie him up, and uh, they, they start driving him away uh, to meet the big bad guy. And, of course, the scene uh, happens where they take him in. He's struggling and struggling and struggling. They take him into this big room. They push him uh, hard. He falls onto his knees in his room. He looks up. There's a big chair, and it swivels around and says... Yes, Jeremiah Holloway. I should have known. And that's where we're going to end this session. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Uh, This was super flying by the seat of my pants. I probably played Genesis all wrong, but I don't care. Because I was having fun, and I think this is a really fun game for pulpy stuff. And the dice, I think, are very narrative. They help push the narrative forward. And you can see that you don't need a fancy oracle. I did use my oracle for a couple of the, the... word association prompts, but most of it I just used percentile dice, and I just rolled, what's the percentage, and I'm going to roll under that, there we go Um, simple, easy, effective, you could do that with any die, by the way, you could do that with any die, you're like, alright, well there's this in many six chance, or there's this in eight chances or whatever you think it is thanks again everybody for calling in, thanks again for listening to the session thanks again for being here for as long as you've been, for this three, almost three year old show What, what even is that? Thanks again for listening to Subclass Act. We'll catch you next time.